Hi everybody, I just want you to know up front, this is not the Jimmy Kimmel Show, the Jimmy Fallon Show, the Jimmy Corden Show, the Jimmy Ellen Show. This is not the Daily Show, and it's not the Tonight Show. This is the Right Show. You've come to the right place, and I'm your host, Kayvon Moezi. Now, this episode is a bonus episode. It is a video on YouTube, but it's so good, I figure you should probably listen to it also. Just remember, if you're hearing some amazing voices and you want to know which name goes with that sound, you want to know which face goes with that audio, or what images you might be missing, you're going to want to go on youtube.com slash comedy and watch it one more time. This just might be the most important podcast made this year. Enjoy. Oh, hey there, it's me, Kayvon Moezi, by far the most famous half-Persian comedian in the world. That's right, my father is a Muslim immigrant from Iran, which is in the Middle East, near Egypt, which we all know is in Africa. So I'm going to go ahead and identify as black for this episode. You could call me Kayvon Moezi, and I'm going to need to be black because it will be by far the most triggering episode we've ever made. Before we get into that, a little bit about me and how I relate to the black community. First of all, I've had a black president for 30% of my adult life. Growing Growing up, my favorite basketball player was Michael Jordan, favorite golfer Tiger Woods, favorite boxer was Mike Tyson, favorite baseball player was David Justice, favorite movie star was Denzel Washington, favorite comedian was Eddie Murphy, and my favorite dancer was Michael Jackson, which you could say he lightened up over time. But that's the whole point. It doesn't matter if you're black or white. Also love puffins and your penguins, they're both too. As you can see, I've paid pretty close attention to the culture. I've cheered for your athletes, I've supported your musicians, and I've paid good money to watch your artist movies. Now let's see if you can do the same. Outside of me, who are your three favorite Iranians? Didn't think so. But have you noticed all the media wants to talk about lately is race for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? This is taking up a lot of our bandwidth. I always think about the kids in Asia. They're studying math and science, and we're studying race, 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 race. How is race. that going to play out in the next 40 years? We're going to lose the race! Needless to say, it's a little overwhelming. You know, I was watching a black woman on TV who was saying, what am I supposed to tell my children about racism? Maybe it was Don Lemon. That's not the point. Either way, the question got me thinking. Hmm. What should we tell people? Therefore, I'm gonna give my advice for black people. This should go well. Now, I realize there's not a lot of people who are gonna wanna hear my advice because my skin doesn't look dark enough for them to hear it. Therefore, I've compiled my favorite black friends all in one video. I'll let them do the talking of exactly what I would have told you. There, now I'm safe. Just let this video play. Put in the comments which one of my black friends is your favorite and which comment you like the best so I can read it later. It's now time for some advice. Enjoy. Do you think that race plays a part in wealth dis distribution or either a mindset that you can't Today? or cannot? Yeah. No. You don't? No, I don't. I don't. I, you and I, we're proof. Why would race have anything to do with it? Stick your, put your mind to what you want to do and go for that. Uh, it's kind of like religion to me. It's a good excuse for not getting there. You know, I said, and it's probably get me in trouble, but I said to some of my colleagues recently, so I know that it's an issue, but I've been, it seems like every single day on television I'm talking about race and it's because of the news cycle, it's in the news, but I'm so, sometimes I get so tired of talking about it, I want to I wanna just go, this is over, can we move on? And, and if you talk about it, it exists. Right. Yeah. It's not like it exists and we refuse to talk about it, but making it a bigger issue, than it needs to be is probably. I think most white people and black people are great people. 
I really believe that in my heart. But I think our system is set up where our politicians, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, are designed to make us not like each other so they can keep their grasp of money and power. Try to figure out how we fix it, this issue of racism in the country. It is a spell that must be broken. Black history is American history. How are we going to get rid of racism? Stop talking about it. They divide and conquer. I truly believe in my heart most white people and black people are awesome people. But we're so stupid following our politicians, whether they are Republicans or Democrats. And let's be clear. There is no vaccine for racism. And their only job is, hey, let's make these people not like each other. We don't live in their neighborhoods. We all got money. Let's make the whites and blacks not like, like each other. Let's make rich people and poor people not like each other. Uh, let's, let's scramble the middle class. I truly believe that in my heart. It would be very hard, for example, for a, a basketball owner, no matter how racist he was, to try to operate without blacks. As, as, as you showed in the case of the Washington Redskins. Yes, yes, because mm -hmm. there they had, they had a policy of trying to keep blacks off the team for a long time. And it so happened that almost all the leading running backs of that era were black. And of course, as the Washington Redskins began to lose more and more games, uh, it wasn't very long before they decided they had better get uh, Bobby Mitchell uh, from Cleveland and put him in the lineup as they, as they did. I, I promise you, for the most part, race relations have gotten better. Unchain Wall Street. They're going to put you all back in chains. Stop taking away our self-confidence by telling us that we can't because of racism, because of slavery. I've never been a slave in this country. Stop telling us that we need to be obsessing over our past when we should be obsessing over our future and the potential that we have. I want you to hear me and hear me good. Because I'm going to pause, and I'm going to alarm you with what I'm, going, I'm about to say. But I want you to listen. Racism doesn't exist. Obviously, I'm lying. Of course it does exist. Now for you. See, you don't have to go to the back of the bus. You don't have, to, you're not denied the opportunity to eat at restaurants or to enter nightclubs or to patronize businesses. You have the right to vote. You're not being lynched. You're not being hung. You're not going through the trials and tribulations your ancestors, recent and far beyond recent, endured so you can sit here today. You're older. You know I'm not talking about you. But youngsters, nobody's trying to hear that. You need to understand that white folks got problems too. Some of them can't pay their bills. Some of them are struggling. Some of them are being denied opportunities. And you need to understand that because when people are going through their own problems, they are not going to lament what your trials and tribulations are. Do you think that we can truly make change as things are right now? Well, it starts in the home. You know, if the father's not in the home, the boy will find the father in the streets. Yeah, I saw it in my generation and every generation before me and, and everyone since. It starts in the home. You know, if the streets raise you, then the judge becomes your mother and, you know, and prison becomes your home. I know for a fact that 
had I had a father, had I had someone that, and I hate saying this because white people love hearing black people talk about this, but had I had a father, had I had some of these opportunities, I'd have been able to help my mother more. America is not a racist country. The people that continue to tell us that have a vested interest in racism. In fact, they're actively now importing Nigerians to come do racist acts in this country, a la Jesse, Jesse Smollett, right? This is MAGA country. No, this is your prison cell. And I hope you rot in it, Jesse. It is time for us to stop pretending that racism doesn't exist. Black History Month you find ridiculous. Why? You're going to relegate my history to a month? Oh, come well, on. What do you do with yours? What, which month is White History Month? <laughs> no, well, no, no, well, come on. Tell me. Well, the, I'm Jewish. Okay. Which I'm month Jewish. is Jewish History Month? Uh, there isn't one. Oh. Oh. Why not? Yeah. Do you want one? No, no. No. I, I, right. I, don't. I don't either. I don't want a Black History Month. At the age of 12 years old, I shot myself. I was in the house. Police knocked on the door. I was right there. They knocked the door down. Everybody jumped over my body to go get the guns and drugs and whatever they could find. It took one guy to stop right there and cuss everybody that hopped over me out. Like, what the fuck are y'all doing? They said, oh, no, 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 we was going to see if it, what the fuck are y'all doing? We called the ambulance. A fucking ambulance, do you not see this kid on the floor with this hole in his chest? Say, you, you drive. Pick me up, brought me to the hospital. He didn't drop me off at the ambulance and say, you take him. He brought me to the hospital room and made two and stood there and waited till the doctor said he's gonna, he's gonna make it. He said, don't worry, my name's Uncle Bob. He was white as snow. The motherfuckers that hopped over me was blacker than me. Was he a cop? Yeah, he was a cop. My life was saved by a white man. I don't know what racism is. I know a good motherfucking name, Uncle Bob, though. Black people now, not all, not all, not all, but most are brainwashed, dumbed down, and demoralized. The uh, black rage in the black community is palpable, but it's misdirected because it starts in the home. Uh, and not with white people at all, but because no one has really told them this, they have not heard it from majority of people, they now believe that the rage is toward white cops, white people. They think that America is a racist society. Well, we all know now that it's not. And there's no such thing as racism. There is no such thing as racism. It's either right or wrong, good or evil. And most black people today are on the side of evil. They call good evil and evil good. So any black man or woman who stands up and tells the truth, that is not white people, but it's you, they don't want to hear, so they attack you personally. And that's okay. I understand that they're blind and cannot see. So it doesn't bother me at all. I still tell them the truth. As a country, we can't pretend that racism doesn't exist here. Cam Newton says that he doesn't feel race plays a part in people's criticisms of him. The reigning NFL MVP said, I don't want this to be about race because it's not. We're beyond that as a nation. There are 3.6 million black children living below the poverty line. There are 4 million Hispanic children that live below the poverty line. And yet Democrats want us to put illegals first. 
I say no thank you, I say build the wall. At a Lil Wayne show, when I come from under the stage and, man, it's not a, it's, it's a, it's the world out there. It's not a certain part, a certain kind, a certain culture, a certain whatever, people, it's people. And that's those that 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 those people out there in that crowd, they made quote unquote, and they make quote unquote Lil Wayne, and that's who I happen to be. And I'm sorry if people can't understand, but I, I understand why they don't understand. It's because they don't come from the bottom of a stage and look at twenty to thirty thousand people. They don't get that opportunity. And I'm blessed to have that opportunity. So with that said, I can only be honest about such a thing. And I don't understand. I've never witnessed racism. There is a class of colored people who make a business of keeping the troubles, the wrongs, and the hardships of the Negro race before the public. Some of these people do not want the Negro to lose his grievances because they do not want to lose their jobs. There is a certain class of race problem solvers who don't want the patient to get well. That was said by Booker T. Washington. The proposition that America is institutionally racist requires two things create an environment for slavery or racism, and they are needed for it to exist. One is a social contract, as in the South during slavery. Two, codified law. Neither of those things exist in American culture today. And in fact, if they did exist as such, then the UK would also be guilty of same. To anyone who believes that America is institutionally racist, I'll challenge you to do this. Go into communities and deal with problems by examining the roots of those problems, the foundations. The foundation of many problems starts with the individual and there are factors. The issues around the, the legal system, do you think we've made any headway in the I legal system? I think it's more important to make headway in our own house. By the time the system comes into play, the damage is done. They're not locking up seven-year-olds. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I was in Chicago a couple of three, four weeks ago, and we saw these little kids on bikes with masks on the side of their head, like five or six of them. And the driver said, yeah, they're little yummies. I said, who? He said, little, little yummies. Look up. Google little yummy. Mm. Little yummy was an 11-year-old murderer. Wow. And you look at his picture, you'll see the headshot of him, and he's like this. And he got murdered at 11 by a 14-year-old. Wow. Who's doing life now in a 16-year-old. That makes no sense. You, you blame the system? Where was his father? Yeah. It starts in the house. It starts in the home. And yeah, well, well, my father got locked up. Well, where was his father? Yeah. You know, that, 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 like I, I did talk about my three closest friends, and they did, you know, 15 to 25. One did 28, this and that. I was the only one of the three that had a father in my life, even though my parents were together but I still had a father who was a gentle man and a good example, yeah. and they didn't. We can blame the system if we want, but they didn't lock any of us up at seven. Yeah. We were all doing enough to get locked up at 13, 
my parents sent me in another direction. They didn't have anybody to help them, and they kept doing what they was doing. And the system got them. I've chosen to cross different parts of the media world, done the work so that I'm qualified to be in each one. I never considered my color the issue. I considered my qualifications the issue. Well, David, you know, that that's a whole nother long conversation about white privilege and things that you have the privilege of doing that people of color don't have the privilege of. How do I have the privilege of white privilege? David, by virtue of being a white male, you have white privilege. This whole long conversation, I don't have time to get Uh, into Ariva, I hate to break it to you, but you should have been better prepped. I'm black. Okay, then I stand... See, you went to white privilege. This is the falsehood in this. You went immediately with an assumption. Your people, obviously, or you didn't look. You're talking to a black man. Who started out in rock radio in Boston, who crossed the paths into hip-hop, rebuilding one of the greatest black stations in America, and went on to work for Fox News, where I'm told apparently blacks aren't supposed to work, but yet you come with this assumption and you go to white privilege. So this troll writes me and says, Elder, you keep saying there's no racism. Eh, penalty flag. $10,000 $10,000 to your favorite charity where you find where Elder said there's no racism. What Elder says is that racism is no longer a major factor in American life anymore and can no longer hold somebody back who's determined. You know who else would agree with me, although it's always dicey to say dead people would agree with you? Martin Luther King. A little more than 40 years before Barack Obama became president, he was interviewed. Uh, frankly, I have seen certain changes in the United States over the last two years that surprised me. I've seen levels of compliance with the Civil Rights Bill and changes that have been uh, most surprising. So on the basis of this, I think we may be able to get a Negro president in less than 40 years. I would think uh, that this could come in 25 years or less. Note he didn't say when a black person becomes a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. He didn't say when a black person becomes president of an Ivy League university. He didn't say when a black person becomes coach of Notre Dame. He didn't say when a black person becomes the head of the American Medical Association, when a black person becomes the head of the American Bar Association, when a black person becomes a governor of one of the original states of the Confederacy, all of which have happened. He said the mountaintop, the peak, the summit is when a black person becomes president of the United States. Now that has not stopped people like Eric Holder, the former AG under Obama, who, in my opinion, is a more dangerous race card hustler than Al Sharpton from saying America is still bedeviled by what he called pernicious racism. He gave three examples. Let's go over them because none of them hold water. Example number one, he said that black boys get suspended and expelled from schools longer, sooner, more often than do white boys. And he's right. What Jackson didn't say is that irrespective of the race of the teacher, irrespective of the race of the principal, irrespective of the race of the school board, black boys are disproportionately kicked out compared to white boys. Do you know why? Behavior. Reverend Jackson sued the Decatur School Board, which was all white, for expelling some black boys who were fighting after a football game. 
This fight broke out in the stands of the MacArthur Eisenhower football game in Decatur. As a result, six students were expelled, the result of the district's zero tolerance policy on violence. But the school board's decision caught the attention of Reverend Jesse Jackson of the Rainbow Push Coalition in Chicago. The school board noted, as I said, that it doesn't matter the race of the principal or the school board. Black boys are disproportionately kicked out compared to other races of a given school. Now, why does anyone not want to talk about behavior? Is it or is it not true that black boys are far more likely than white boys to come from single parent households? And forget about elder. Barack Obama said a kid raised without a father is five times more likely to be poor and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school, and 20 times more likely to end up in jail. Why are we, why are we talking about that? There is a huge problem here. And blaming teachers, calling them racist, does that get us anywhere? Now, Eric Holder's second example of pernicious racism, voter ID laws. Attorney General Eric Holder is an outspoken critic against these and similar voter ID laws. Apparently he doesn't think black people can get ID. A lot of the assumptions that people make about uh, people having the necessary ID uh, is not accurate. There are a substantial number of people who live in cities who do not have driver's licenses. Um, there are people who have voted for 50 and 60 years who do not have the required identification that some of these new laws say they must have in order to vote. In some instances, as we saw in Texas, um, getting these the required uh, identification materials is too difficult. <laughs> really? You carry ID around? Yes, I have state ID. Do you carry ID? Yes, I do. Do you know anybody who, any black person who doesn't carry ID? No. Everyone that I know has an ID. Why would they think we don't have ID? <laughs> That's a lie. Why would they say that? Do you have ID? Yes. Because I have my ID and my friends have their ID, so like, we know what we need to carry around. Do you know any black adult who does not have ID? No, I don't. Is it a weird thing to even say that? Yes, it is. What is this, some, some type of uh, trick candy camera? I like know, that? right? <laughs> That's the only thing I brought with me. Those are legit, yeah. legit IDs. I heard a lot also that uh, black people can't figure out how to get to the DMV. Really? Is that, is that, what does that say to you? I know it's that, 125th Street. Do you know where the ID, the, the DMV is around you? It's on 125th Street and 3rd Avenue, I believe. You know how to get there? Yeah. Would you have a problem getting there if you had to get there? No. It's, I know these sound like silly questions. You know how to get the AV? Of course. You know where it is? Yes. You can get there? Uh-huh. No problem? No problem. Just checking. Okay. And I also heard a lot that black People, especially poor black people, have no access to the internet, can't figure out how to use the internet. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's just stupidity, honestly. Everybody has access to the internet. Even a little kid can figure out how to work the internet. The other thing we found is, and I'm sorry to go on, but this is really important to me. The, uh, the other part, portion is, a lot of people don't know how to register. Not everybody in the community, in the Hispanic and the African-American community, particularly in uh, uh, rural areas that are distant and or inner city districts know how to use, know how to get online. I had access to the internet for years. Know how to use it properly, Exactly. Right? I do it at work. So, of course, I know how to use it. Smart. My kids know how to use it. They all have iPads, iPods, whatever. Your phone has data? Mm-hmm. You can actually Unlimited. Internet. Unlimited data? Mm -hmm. I use my phone as a hotspot. What does that say to you for the people who have this perception of like Um... Uh, they're pretty much ignorant. Uh, that's why my thought process on I just think that's ignorant. 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 That's the word very, I hear very a lot. ignorant. Ign ignorant. Very, very ignorant. Does it sound racist for somebody to say that? I, I think it is a little racist because, you know, you're putting um, people in a category and you have no idea what you're talking about. Maybe a little bit of racist in it, but like I said, I think it's more stupidity and ignorance. You're judging somebody, like, 
but you're judging them because they're black, saying that they don't got it. What people are they talking to? What are, who are these people talking to? Do you have a problem that if you go to vote and they say, can we please see your ID to make sure you are who you say you are? Are you cool? Love showing my ID. You have no problem with that? Nope. Would you have a problem if when you go to vote, if they say, can we please just see your ID to make sure you are who you say you are? Do you have an issue with that? No. And you know what else? Polls show black voters support voter ID, in some cases, almost as much as white voters do. If voter ID laws are suppressing the black vote, it ain't working. In 2008, the year that Barack Obama ran for president, as a percentage of eligible voters, more blacks voted than did whites. So the voter ID laws, if they're designed to suppress the black vote, they ain't working. The third example that Eric Holder gave is the fact that black criminals get a longer sentence for the same crime committed by a white criminal. What he didn't tell you is that the U.S. Sentencing Commission says that when a judge examines a criminal's record and looks at convictions, that becomes part of the sentencing. And it turns out that the average black criminal has a longer criminal record than the average white criminal. That accounts for the discrepancy. So all three of the examples are lame. You see, here's the problem. When the demand for examples of racism exceeds the available examples of racism, it becomes necessary to invent new examples of racism. And often it's complete and total horse. <laughs> and the late great Walter Williams lays out exactly what one needs to do to escape poverty. And it has nothing to do with one's race. There are four steps that a person can take, whether he's black or white, that will guarantee that he will not live a life of poverty. One is to graduate from high school. Two, to take any kind of job. Uh, three, uh, get married before you have children. And four, stay out of the criminal justice system. Any questions, Mr. Holder, a man who is with a major law firm in Washington, D.C. as a partner, makes a boatload of money while bitching and moaning and whining about how you, as a black man, can't make a boatload of money because racism is holding you back. Didn't hold Mr. Holder back, but it held you back. If you tell a big enough lie and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. The defendant here should be charged with perjury and fraud. He's a facade. Mr. Race, I studied your history. There's no evidence that you actually existed before the 15th century. Uh, Joe Biden is trying to clean up a gaffe, and this is something that happened during an interview Thursday with black and Hispanic journalists. What you all know, but most people don't know, unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community with incredibly different attitudes about different things. Insult to the black community and trying to limit the political fallout of the suggestion that the black community is monolithic. Do you believe that all white people have taken part in racial violence, which is what you wrote? I believe that society is built on the foundation. It's not what I believe, it's a fact that okay. society is built on the foundations of... of colonialism and slavery. These are the sentences that you wrote. I don't have the energy to talk about racial violence mm -hmm. of white people it anymore. Was yes, all white people. Yes, and these are my feelings. I wouldn't, no one would want you to censor yourself. It, it's, it's, it's the specificity, it's the accuracy, I think this it? is the problem, is that white people are thinking about how it makes them feel when, when racism doesn't affect them. It affects people of colour. Mm. The system is but not if... put in place to affect white people, and pe white people need to get over the fact that, yes, it's a really uncomfortable truth. Mm. It's a really inconvenient truth. Get over that uncomfort. Get over that discomfort. Yeah. It's not necessarily a matter of individual merit in the sense that if you're born into a culture and into a family where there are certain values 
uh, and particularly if they are families that really insist upon those values where it's not a matter of doing your own thing, uh, then you will grow up with those values and you will have whatever the benefits uh, happen to come along with those values. You say 1619 is as important as 1776. Yes. Um, our decision to buy that first group of 20 to 30 Africans would influence almost everything that would follow after. I think it is foundational. It is as foundational to who we became as a country as our decision in 1776 to break off from the British. Recently, some school districts have decided that they'll be teaching a unit on early American history based on the New York Times 1619 project, which illustrates how the founding of this country is inextricably tied to the institution of slavery. One of the sad things is that we, we talk in this country as if slavery was something unique to the United States or to blacks and whites. Uh, and in point of fact, slavery was one of the oldest institutions among human beings. They go back as far as there is recorded history. Archaeological finds suggest that, race, race, that slavery rather existed before human beings could read and write. So what race, a racial difference between the slaves and the enslavers, that is a relatively new phenomenon. You didn't have in ancient times the ability to go to another continent and move millions of people across, of a different race across the ocean. So you enslaved the people who were nearby. The Europeans enslaved Slavs for centuries before they, enslaved, before they brought the first black uh, African to the Western Hemisphere. Okay, but so you're not suggesting you do not wish to say anything other than that slavery as practiced in the United States was, it may have been recent, but you'd, argue, you'd be willing to grant that it was particularly perverse and, and, and destructive no, it's, because, it's, because race got mixed into it at that point, right? Race got mixed into it in the United States more than anywhere else for a very simple reason. The United States was founded, as the Declaration said, uh, of independence, said uh, men are, all men are created equal. Right. If that's true, then the only way you can justify slavery is to say that some men are less than men. I see. So the racial but in, but, in, but in Brazil, where, where Brazil imported more slaves than the United States, there was no such ideology. Brazil was not a democratic country. The whole issue never arose. I see. But I didn't know any black people. No, I really didn't. You didn't know any white people either. And Corn Pop was a bad dude. And he ran a bunch of bad boys. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap. And I've loved kids jumping on my lap. Most people have not recognized the fact that, in, that if you go back into the 20s, uh, you find that uh, married couple families were much more prevalent among blacks then than today. Most black kids grew up in homes with two parents under slavery itself and for generations thereafter. And as late as the 1960s, uh, most black children grew up in two-parent homes. When you think about it, I mean, uh, centuries of slavery, generations of Jim Crow did not destroy the black family. But one, one generation of the welfare state did. We did a crime bill, 1994, where you call them super predators, African-Americans, the super predators, and they've never forgotten it. And I'm letting people out of jail now that you have treated the African-American population community, you have treated the black community about as bad as anybody in this country. Black Americans, a group often identified as beneficiaries of the welfare state in America, made considerable economic progress in the 20th century. Fine, of course. But much, if not most, 
This is the thing with you. The dependent clause is where the sting is. <laughs> but much, if not most, of this progress was prior to the massive expansion of the American welfare state. Close quote. That is so counter, I want to say counterintuitive because we hear so much about African-American progress since civil rights and the, the establishment of the welfare state that it really has become a kind of American intuition. Explain yourself, Dr. Sowell. Well, as of 1940, 87% of black households were in poverty. Over the next 20 years, that declined to 47%. This is all prior to the civil rights laws, prior to the social welfare policies of the Johnson administration. Over the next 20 years, it fell an additional 18 points. But that, that was not, that, that was just the same trend continuing at a reduced rate. Affirmative action is even worse. Poverty rate was something like 30% among black households before affirmative action. And a decade after affirmative action, it was 29%. This is not the same as the 40% decline that occurred before there were any civil rights laws and before there was any social welfare state. Well, you, well, ra 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 well, racism is, is, is an attitude inside people's heads. Right. Discrimination is an overt act taking place outside in the real world. Okay. So now, and so not only with blacks, but you find the same thing with Jews in previous uh, centuries, that that part of the United States where, where there was the most racism against blacks, namely the South, right. is where black construction workers were much more common than they were in the North right on into the 20th century. Uh, and pe most people are unaware that in the South, blacks were the construction workers. I remember a professor at Howard University saying that when he was a boy in the South, his father uh, pointed to some man on the street and said, he was the first white construction worker in this town. And so what was going on there? The racism did not, so whites could think of blacks as somehow or other separate, but they'd still employ them, because, oh, yes. the, because the market made it profitable to do so. Yeah, in That's fact, in fact, yes. And a, in fact, a law had to be passed to stop this because uh, in, the, in the 20s, and particularly in the, as the Depression got underway, uh, black uh, construction companies in the South using black non-union labor would come up to the North and underbid on government contracts, taking them away. And so this was, this, was this was very common to the point where they passed the Davis-Bacon Act which said that on government contracts, you must pay the prevailing wage, which meant, which was translated almost invariably into the union wage. So your point on the distinction between racism and discrimination is, don't worry about racism. It's inside people's heads. You can't measure it. Uh, there's a strongly subjective, just forget about it. Concentrate only on discrimination. And the best answer to discrimination is to let markets operate because then people will discover, it, it will tend to militate against discrimination. Oh, yes, when people have skills to offer, they'll be employed. Whatever this notion of racism in people's heads is, don't worry about that. Is that right? Yeah, the, the, what, I'm, what I'm saying essentially is that racism, racists may prefer one race to another, but they prefer themselves to everybody else. <laughs> so they'll, they'll do what's profitable. That's right, that's right. Did you like that? Am I canceled yet? Who knows? Put it in the comments. If you like my videos, I have 400 more on youtube.com slash caveoncomedy. Subscribe. And if you want to support truth through laughter, because I'm over here waking America up with the art of comedy, then there's three ways you can help. The easiest, 
just share my videos. Or you can make a one-time donation on GoFundMe.com slash Comedy. Or Venmo at Kayvon-Kayvon. Or the final way, become a subscriber on Patreon or Locals. Now if you'll excuse me, I'd like to go party like it's 1999. AKA <clears throat> kick it with my homies. <clears throat> Rough ride.